Welcome to the Mentors Table. If we haven't met before, I'm Joy, founder of TheMentorsTable.com, and I created this table to be a place for community, a place to cultivate meaningful conversation among women like you who understand the value of community, accountability, and the necessity of being intentional to become the best version of ourselves. Ladies, I truly believe that readers are leaders. So in this episode, we're going to talk about one of my newest favorite books, the lessons that I'm being challenged with and how it all applies to our theme this year of making me time a priority. If you're feeling overdrawn, pulled in a hundred directions and tired of not being able to find a single moment for yourself, then this episode is for you. Get ready to be both challenged and encouraged. I'm going to speak into your life and I'm going to help you find some space in your day to think, to imagine, and to begin to discern what truly matters. This is a conversation you're going to want to be a part of, so scoot your chair up a little closer to the table, wrap your fingers around your warm mug, and listen in as we begin the conversation. Hey ladies, I'm so excited to be with you again on the Mentors Table podcast. I know I promised you an interview this week, but judging from both what I've been learning personally and then what I'm hearing from you on Instagram, I think maybe we were starting to put the cart before the horse a little bit. If we're going to talk about this whole making me time a priority and making taking care of yourself first a priority, I think we're going to need to lay a a little bit stronger of a foundation. Here's the thing. When we talk about foundations, then we have to understand how foundations work. Back when I was living in Oklahoma, my pastor used to talk about one of the new buildings that they built, and it was kind of up on a hill. And Oklahoma land and soil is primarily clay, which means that it shifts a lot. So it's very crucial for the foundation to be solid and deep. So what they would do with this building is that they would drill, drill, drill hundreds of feet down and pour these huge concrete pillars that went down, I believe, way longer down than the actual building is tall. It's kind of like that same idea that you have with a oak tree. If you were to cut a cross section of an oak tree, you would have the part that you see up above the ground that has the trunk and the branches and the leaves, but then you could also see below the ground how big and intricate the root system is. And in general, if you have a tree that is a medium size above ground, you're going to have an extra large root system below ground. Ladies, I want you guys to be like those mighty oaks that no matter what kind of storms life brings you, you may bend and sway with some of those storms, but you're not going to break and you're not going to get pulled out from the ground because your root system is going to be so strong and so intricate and go so deep that no matter what storm comes, you're going to be able to withstand it. That's what we're looking for when we talk about making me time a priority. It's talking about getting that foundation, getting your root system so deep that no matter what life throws at you, 
You're ready for it. You're strong. Other people can depend on you. You know, just like that oak tree is not just a beautiful thing for us to look at, it's also a home, a place of refuge for many animals that are living out in nature. The shade from those leaves is not just for the animals, it's for the people too. It's also for the plants that are around it. There is so much more that you can offer when you take care of your foundation, when you take care of your root system first, when you take care of yourself first, then you will be able to withstand and to be strong, to be a place of refuge, to be a help, to be a place of relief for other people in your lives. And that's why we're talking about this all season, because when you make me time a priority, then there's going to be more than enough of you left to give away. I really think it is important to add more voices to the table by bringing in some other people and interviewing, so we will definitely be doing that. But before we move on, I really think it's important that we continue to solidify why this is such a vital topic in the first place. I'm not going to give you those practical nitty-gritty day-to-day steps without first laying the foundation and convincing you and helping you to fully understand that this needs to be a priority. Because I can talk until I'm blue in the face telling you all these different things that you can do to make me time a priority, but if you do not believe it in your heart of hearts, down in your core, in your soul, that this is important, then when those winds blow and those storms come, you're going to bend, you're going to break, you're going to let these things go because you're going to think that that root system just isn't as important as what you're facing with your physical eyes, your ears, your nose, your five senses, what you can feel, see, hear, and touch right now. So, Let's talk a little bit more about why this is so important. You know, I've been reading the book Essentialism by Greg McCowan, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes because I don't think that there is anybody listening to me who cannot benefit from this. It is such a good book. And honestly, I'm about three years late to the Essentialism train. I've heard so much about it before now, but I finally got my copy from the library. And honestly, I need to get my own copy that I can can buy and mark up and keep and go back to because there are so many great truths in it. And I believe that the truths that I've been learning while reading Essentialism help explain and further solidify why taking care of yourself should be a priority. So for this podcast, we're going to spend a little bit of time just breaking down some of my favorite quotes so far from the book Essentialism and how they apply to taking care of ourselves. In Greg McCowan's book, Essentialism, the premise of the book is less but better. Now, when I initially read that, my first thought was, oh, that just means that I need to cut out more things from my schedule, and later on when new opportunities come, I'm going to have to say no, because that's less, right? 
But he goes on to explain in great detail that it's not just about cutting things out of your schedule. Less but better and essentialism is really about completely shifting your mindset. It's kind of like taking a pair of glasses off and putting a new pair of sunglasses on that maybe are colored let's say blue, and looking at everything through those blue colored lenses. Everything is going to shift. Everything is going to be different under that new color, under that new lens of essentialism. So I'm going to give you a few of the things that he talks about to becoming an essentialist and help you begin to understand why it's so important to shift your thinking. It's not just about cutting back on things. It's about changing the way that you look at everything. About is that it's important to make time to explore so you can figure out what is the quote-unquote vital few. Now, when I'm talking about exploring... He actually gives a more specific definition of that, and he says, and this is on page 60, to discern what is truly essential, we need space to think, time to look and listen, permission to play, wisdom to sleep, and the discipline to apply highly selective criteria to the choices that we make. I totally understand any mom, especially who is in the season of life with young ones who don't necessarily sleep through the night, who have crazy feeding times. Maybe it's toddlers who are running around your house, tearing everything up. That when I say permission to play, wisdom to sleep, and the discipline to apply highly selective criteria to the choices we make, I get it. That sounds impossible. That sounds like something for one of those people who has a full-time job and lives alone at home and has all of this free time, maybe that they don't even realize that they have, that we as moms look back and go, huh, I used to think that I was busy when I was in that stage of life, but I'm not. I wasn't. I understand that that is a big deal and that that season does look different for everybody. So before you tune me out and say, okay, this podcast isn't for me, essentialism has to be something that I consider in a few years when my kids get a little older, I want you to hold on. No matter what stage in life that you're at, I want to give you permission to look for some free time, and not free time necessarily, but to look for a chance to do exactly what it says in the book. Give yourself permission to play, time to look and listen, wisdom to sleep, and the discipline to apply highly selective criteria. My challenge here for you is to dare to believe, even you moms of littles, Dare to believe that there really are tiny moments in the day when you could actually take a minute to think, to look and listen, or to give yourself permission to play. Start there. I'm not talking about hours. I'm not even talking about 20 minutes. It may just look like five minutes. But I really believe that if you start looking for those times, you're actually going to be able to find them. I actually just read a great post that talked about a mom who understood this principle and understood that if she needed some 
space for herself or if she needed to do things that was going to bring her joy, then that she was going to go ahead and do that and the kids needed to come along. In the specific example that this one woman gave, she said, I just love Fig Newtons. And so Fig Newtons were really important to me. I enjoy eating Fig Newtons. And so that was the only cookie that I kept at the house. And then if the kids wanted a cookie, then they had to eat a Fig Newton. This is really um, something that's so simple to apply, but it's hard sometimes as moms to give ourselves permission to do something like that. You know, if, if you're if your thing is this other mom who posted all of this, she said her thing is going to museums and listening to uh, classical music. And so instead of making excuses about why, and she has a family of, I forget exactly, I think it's like eight children. It might be six. She makes it a priority that this is where she goes to explore and figure out what is essential. This is where she goes to take time to play, to take time to look and listen. And the kids just come with her. And I think that's wonderful. I think that that's wonderful that she is making that a priority and she is bringing the kids along, not making excuses. It's time to stop making excuses for what we can't do. And it's time to start making priorities for what we're going to choose to do no matter what the circumstance. There is a great little history of the word priority in essentialism that I wanted to read to you. This comes from page 16. It says, the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s. It was singular. It meant the very first or prior thing. It stayed singular for the next 500 years. Only in the 1900s did we pluralize the term and start talking about priorities with an S. Illogically, we reasoned that by changing the word, we could bend reality. Somehow, we would now be able to have multiple first things. People and companies routinely try to do just that. But when we try to do it all and have it all, we find ourselves making trade-offs at the margins that we would never take on as our intentional strategy. When we don't purposefully and deliberately choose where to focus our energies and times, other people, oh, listen to this, this is so important. When we don't purposefully and deliberately choose to focus our energies and time, other people, such as our bosses, our colleagues, our clients, and even our families, will choose for us. And before long, we'll have lost sight of everything that is meaningful and important. We can either make our choices deliberately or allow other people's agendas to control our lives. That's why I was talking about priorities in the first place, even for moms of littles. If we're going to make it a priority, and priority originally was a singular thing, that means it was the first, the actual first thing that we look to. If making me time and taking care of yourself is a priority, then you're going to be able to find the space to explore and look around and figure out what's important from there. Then you're going to have the bandwidth to be able to invest 
in others, then you're going to be able to have some time to just play, to prioritize sleep when you take care of yourself first and truly make it a priority. That means just one thing. Now, I totally get there are husbands to take care of and there are kids to take care of and there's our home to take care of and you're probably juggling a one or two other side jobs or maybe it's a full-time job or there's social life aspects to consider with our friends and our and our children's extracurricular activities. I totally get it. The list goes on and on and on and on. But what I want you to do is to step back and think, am I choosing what I want in life or am I allowing others to choose for me? And right now, I just want you to know that others choosing for you is not what you have to have. It actually can be different. You don't have to let everybody else control your life. You do have a choice. That's why we're talking about this. You do have a choice. Ladies, I want you to be those mighty oaks that I was talking about with those deep, strong root systems. You have a choice to be that. You only have one life to live. Why not be the one who invests in your root system and in your foundation so that you can be so strong in a place of refuge and comfort for others in your life? Let's talk a little bit more about what it says in the book. It says that the essentialist spends as much time as possible exploring, listening, debating, questioning, and thinking, but their exploration is not an end in itself. The purpose of the exploration is to discern the vital few from the trivial many. So that first step is to give yourself permission to explore, to make this a priority, and to figure out what are the vital few. Let's talk about the vital few for a second. The illustration that he gives in the book is initially of a circle that has these little arrows pointing out in all directions, kind of like petals on a sunflower. They're just all pointing out. They're super short, but they're pointing out all around. And that is a picture of you when you have your hands in everything, when you're doing everything, when you feel like you have to do everything. Your energy and your strength is going out of those little arrows and it's not getting very far because you're so spread out and there's all these little arrows, but nothing is super strong. Nothing is actually even super effective because you're worn too thin. Directly next to that, he has an illustration of a circle with one arrow and that arrow is shooting straight up and it is 10, 15 times as long as any of those little arrows on the other circle. And that is a picture of when you choose your vital few, you choose the things that are the most important to you and you devote all your energy and strength there. That long arrow means that you have so much more impact. That arrow means you are so much more effective in what you do. That arrow looks like what we were talking about as far as your life. It looks like that mighty oak. It's got the strong root system and it is effectively, from what we can see above ground, it's providing shelter. It's not breaking in the storms. 
It is a place of refuge. It's home to those in nature. There are so many things that that tree can provide when its focus is on the vital few. So give yourself permission to take a minute and figure out what are those vital few for you. And like we're going to talk about for the rest of this podcast, I would dare you to consider taking care of yourself as one of those vital few because that is what is going to begin to multiply your impact and your influence in the lives of those around you. Okay, once you've identified the vital few, then the next step that he talks about is to figure out what are the trade-offs that you want to make so you can go big on the vital few. On pages 46 and 47, it says that a non-essentialist thinks Almost everything is essential. Let me say that again. A non-essentialist thinks almost everything is essential, but we don't want to be non-essentialists. He goes on to say that an essentialist thinks almost everything is non-essential. One more time. An essentialist thinks almost everything is non-essential. You see how it's a shift in mindsets? It's a shift in how we look at everything. It's like we're putting on those blue essentialism lenses and it colors and changes everything. We go from looking at all the things all around us and saying, ah, well, I have to do that. 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 And instead we put on our essentialism glasses and we look at all those things around us and go, well, that's not really actually that essential. That's not essential either. That's not essential either. That's not essential either. Oh, wait, that's one of my vital few. That's important. I'm going to put my strength there. I'm going to go big there. Here's another thing that really challenged me from the book. He says that a non-essentialist thinks, I can do both. And a non-essentialist asks, how can I do it all? But an essentialist doesn't think that way. Let's put on our little blue essentialist lenses right now. An essentialist will ask, what's the trade-off that I want to make? And then what can I go big on? So if we're considering making me time one of the vital few, then that's the thing that you need to number one look at. What are some trade-offs that I can make so that I can go big on taking care of myself. And again, we're not doing this for selfish reasons. It's so easy to get tempted to believe that if we take care of ourselves, we're just being selfish. But that's not the truth. When we take care of ourselves, then we actually have more to give. So when we make me time a priority, then we actually have more to give others, and more to be generous with, more energy, more strength, more focus, more drive. I'd like to think in all of the drama that happens in life as well, that we have more bandwidth to be able to get in the moment of some sort of drama going on in your life and discern and really be able to see what's truly happening and not get as caught up in the emotion and in the drama of the whole situation. That clarity does not come when we're overtired, when we're overextended, when we're already dealing with an emotional roller coaster of our own. We can't look at a dramatic situation. We can't 
separate ourselves from the emotion and from the crazy that's going on if we're already too weak or too overextended ourselves. So you see, when you're taking care of yourself first, when you're, ta- when you're investing in that root system, then when the crazy comes, you've got the bandwidth to step back and look at it, separate yourself from the drama and say, okay, this is what's really going on here. This is how I need to handle it. And you can make wise choices. Wise choices. That's a lofty but wonderful goal that I believe that all of us can attain if we follow this. Okay, finally, let's talk about the difference between these words coming out of your mouth. I choose to versus I have to. On page 39, he says that the non-essentialist says, I have to. And then he goes on to explain that if you are always saying, I have to, by that very phrase, you are forfeiting the right to choose. That's not God's best for you, ladies. He gave you the right to choose. That's what free will is all about. He wants you to be able to choose. And so when you get consumed with all the, I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to do this, then you're forfeiting your right to choose. And you're essentially, this is me talking, not the author of essentialism. But by doing that, you're actually going against the way that God has created you to be. You're betraying that beautiful magnificent creation that God has created you to be by saying, nope, I know better. I actually can't choose right now. I have to get these things done. Other people are choosing that for me and that's the way that it has to be. But I'm telling you right now, that's not biblical. It's a bad mindset to start and to get stuck on. And if you can stop it now, you're going to save yourself a lifetime of heartache. I want you to listen to this last quote from the book. This comes from pages 26 and 27 of Essentialism. What if we stop celebrating being busy as a measure of importance? What if instead we celebrated how much time we had spent listening, pondering, meditating, and enjoying time with the most important people in our lives? Continuing on in the quote, he says, I have a vision of people everywhere having the courage to live a life true to to themselves instead of the life others expect of them. As poet Mary Oliver wrote, quote, tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life, end quote. Continuing on from the book, I challenge you to pause more to ask yourself that question. Again, he's referring to what the poem says, tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Going back to the book, it says, do you think for one second you will regret such a decision? Is it at all likely that you will wake up one day and say, hmm, I wish I had been less true to myself and had done all the non-essential things that others expected of me? I know we've heard a different form of this at some point in our life. When we are on our deathbed, are we really going to say, man, I wish that I had dusted my baseboards more, 
Or man, I wish that I had gone to bed every night with a kitchen that was totally clean and a shiny sink. Or man, I wish that I had spent more time connecting with my friends on Facebook instead of doing face-to-face relationship with the people around me. Of course, we know that the answer to that is that those things are going to be meaningless and non-essential. So if we already know that, instead of waiting until our deathbed to be reminded of that truth, why don't we apply it today? Why don't we look around and begin to label and locate the non-essential things? And more important than that, instead of focusing on those non-essential things and saying, nope, 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 not going to do that, not going to do that, not going to do that, because this really isn't a book about saying no. This is a book about saying yes. This is a book about choosing those vital few. And this is a book about going big on the things that matter the most. And at the end of the day, of course, that's what we all want our legacy to be. We don't want our legacy to be someone who, well, they're just home all the time and they had a few friends and, and, uh, and you know, they were, they were nice people. We want our legacy to be Man, that person, she went big on a huge risk and it was so important to her. And no matter what came and tried to beat her down or what setback she had, she just kept on going and look at the fruit in her life because of that. Look at the change and the impact that she made because she was able to have the discipline to go big on something that really mattered to her. Ladies, I want that to be the testimony of every single one of you listening. Every single one of you. Nobody has to be a victim of their life. You all have the power to choose instead of allowing others to choose for you. Remember what I said in the last podcast? Dr. Henry Cloud said that the biggest producers, and he's talking about in the business world, the biggest producers are the ones that invested the the most in themselves. If you want to be the power mom, invest in yourself first. If you want to be the stellar wife, invest in yourself first. If you want to be the rock star employee or student, invest in yourself first. Begin to see me time as one of the vital few in your life. You get to choose to make it a priority. And remember, when you make me time a priority, then there will be more than enough of yourself left to give away. So ladies, what are you going to do with that one wild and precious life of yours? Talk to me on the show notes at thementorstable.com. I'll also have a link to buy the book Essentialism. I don't know about you, but if I have not talked you into buying this book by now, I don't think that I can. Also, you can always join the conversation on Instagram at the mentors table. I'm so glad you chose to spend some time here at the table and I'm really looking forward to our upcoming talks. Be sure you don't miss anything by subscribing to our newsletter on thementorstable.com. When you click on thementorstable.com, you're going to see in the right-hand column a place to put in your name and email. It's that easy and I promise you I will not annoy you with long, tedious, 
or monotonous emails. Also, you can always spread the word by leaving a review and rating us on iTunes. I really, really, really appreciate it, especially for a new podcast like us. This really helps us a lot. Okay, I'll see you back at this table on the first Friday in December. Remember, when you make me time a priority, then there's going to be more than enough of you left to give away. (laughs) 